Hello and welcome everyone to this week's episode of Witches on the Couch. I am one of your hosts. My name is Nikki and I am a witch. Hi, I'm your other host. My name is Jade and I'm also a witch. So hello to everyone who's continued with us to uh, the new show or like new people who are here for the new show. Uh, Hopefully it's a good time. I, I really enjoy this show, so I'm I'm happy to keep going with it. Um, this is another show, though, that's only like two seasons. So we'll probably do it for a finite amount of time and then find something else. So if this isn't your jam, check back in. But we will be continuing today with the second episode of Witches of East End, which I believe was Rest in Peace, Marilyn. Marilyn Fenwick comma rest in peace okay i wrote it down wrong that was my bad thank you for firing me i (laughs) all right this is now hosted by one person jade your singular host god help us all (laughs) i think you could do it you're charismatic if i could ever actually like find the perfect spot with my mic maybe i think that's a big issue with me continuing issue with me that's, Plus that's also, continuing. I don't know if our listeners have noticed, but Nikki tends to get louder and I tend to get quieter as things go on. And alcohol is just a very interesting component. We'll just leave it at that. So that's why my mic is as far away from my face as humanly possible. Like I keep that thing away from the face zone so it doesn't pick me up as well. Because otherwise I'm just screaming at all everyone here. I mean, well, I mean, I try to keep it real close, but I got to keep it low. So I don't, it drives me nuts when I get like the extra breathing, but it, then I can't hear myself. So it's just lovely. I haven't found my groove yet. Yeah. Just fun fact for everybody. Right. Right. Hop into this episode. See what's up. <laughs> yes. So, um, you know, we have that recap because it's a nice, Made for television, obviously, not made for streaming. We get a good recap at the end of the last episode. And we pick up right where that ends. I love it. It's like never happens anymore. (laughs) Um, But mainly, Joanna was getting hauled off to jail, told Ingrid to look in the uh, armoire cabinet. I don't remember exactly what she said. There's a false back. So then we open to Ingrid is moving things out of the way. She finds a chest. (laughs) <laughs> doesn't know how to open it and I just love I love this little bit it's not gonna open just because I say open and then it does I also noted that I literally just wrote open <laughs> and then I was like I'll know what that means <laughs> iconic I love it uh, and then inside you know it's a typical well maybe not typical now but a very good example of witch's chest uh, so there's pictures of their previous lives she's got a bunch of little spell ingredients looks like some little extra tidbits related to spell work um stores the grimoire in there etc yeah i actually i was looking at the chest i was like the chest literally looks like someone just like sweeped my altar off and put it into a large chest because it was like some gemstones, some herb bundles, like some little bottles that had salt in it, some tarot cards, their grimoire, and then like some candles and a crystal ball. And I was like, that, I, 
that's literally was in my room. That is impressive. All very handy. All good things. Um, oh, there were also feathers. I don't know why that stuck with me, but I was like, nice. Oh, cool. I didn't actually notice. So very interesting. Thank you. I air girl. I like using feathers in my spell work. So I was like feathers. We'll give it to you. Um, so one thing though, this episode, before I get too deep, it jumps around a lot, especially for like, it's like the first 20 minutes. I felt like 15 ish for a good long while. It chops in and out. So forgive me for forgive us for being a little jumpy, but we're trying to follow because it actually, even though it jumps around, I think it was very well done with the layering of the story. So yeah, I feel stick like to it. unlike um, Motherland Fort Salem, which just jumps around a lot, but we're all still like linearly moving forward. The reason we jump around so much is because we're split up. We have like Ingrid and Wendy, we have Joanna, and then we have Freya. So we're all in different locations. And everything's happening simultaneously, which is why we just have to jump from it. So we don't want like the audience to think there's large time gaps. It's like, well, Ingrid's opening the chest, Freya is and Joanna is, and you're right. It's very well done, but it does make retelling very difficult. (laughs) Yes. So anywho, yes. So we have Ingrid pulls out the chest, look inside. Cut to Freya, who's inside the painting last time. She is frantically trying to get the picture people to help her. They don't notice her at all. She is. They don't react when she touches them. They don't hear her. Nothing. Uh, She finds a door, tries to leave. Well, it's bricked up. So tough. Um, Flash our intro real quickly. Uh, Intro decal. And cut to Joanna's action out at the police station. So you're getting fingerprinted and then interrogated. Um, which I found a little interesting, this interrogation scene, just because Martha Thatcher was the one that survived the attack from previous episode. Definitively told the story and pinned Joanna as the culprit. Well, so now it just seems like they're trying to get a confession out of Joanna, but I don't know. I felt the way this detective went about it was just a little weird. Yeah. It's actually funny that you were like, we're cutting to Joanna being interrogated because I wrote, we're cutting to Joanna being interviewed. Because I felt like Adam, Adam is the interrogator slash cop on this case, who is, has a thing for his, her daughter. Um, definitely has probably grown up around Joanna. Like this is a small town of the East Coast. So he is definitely like treading very lightly into this situation, it feels like, where it's like, hey, yeah, I'm arresting you and we have an eyewitness and I'm really sad we're both here. And I was like, oh, Adam, this is a moment. I forgot to think of the uh, previous history with this. Yeah, because like you're you're right. It doesn't feel very interrogating. It's not like confess. We know you did it. Like fist slam. Like NCIS craziness. It's literally just like yeah, that's what they're saying. What are you saying? And it's very casual. <laughs> very casual. Yeah. So like we start out with uh, he's drawn a symbol as. Just lightly chit-chatting. Hey, uh, do you 
Do you remember the symbol? Because Mara said this is what you were drawn in the dirt. I, it seems like she does, but she's not going to tell him. Uh, just says no. Doesn't recognize it. Um, so Adam goes more into the details of what supposedly happened. How Mara's story lines up with all the forensics that they could find to a T. And then Joanna gets Pacey. She stands up real fast, gets, gets us a couple paces, asks for a cigarette. She doesn't smoke, but only when she's uh, accused of murder. <laughs> which I found also funny. If there's ever a time to take up smoking, that is it. Yeah, right. Um, cut to now Ingrid flashing through the grimoire. She finds a resurrection spell, which she immediately uses on Aunt Wendy. Joe gets her cigarette and starts chanting a spell to see if Freya is alive. And then we also now see uh, Freya is confused as to why this ex-boyfriend, who she doesn't recognize, Doug, is why it's all happening. She's trying to say the spell that got her in to get her out. Um, Ingrid's chanting the resurrection spell. And so all of this, they're all chanting spells. We cut in between each other. They're all using magic essentially at the exact same time is what I believe they were trying to get at by, you know, us cutting back and forth so quickly. I definitely agree. And it was so well done because all the spells, um, they sounded like they were Latin based, um, maybe Greek, but they all kind of like blend very well together and all of them are kind of whispering slash mumbling it. So when they like layer all the spells next to each other, it flows and sounds very magical. It, yes. It works very well. Also, just I have to call it out. Joanna, such props to think to use a cigarette to use some fire magic. Like that is fucking ingenious. When you've been around as long as her, I assume you get creative. I but yes, I was so also impressed. really impressed. All this comes to a, a completion when you know everybody kind of finishes at the same time. But we see Ingrid finishes her spell. And then Wendy, as the cat jumps up, is alive. Woo! I love Wendy. Me too. She's so sassy. <laughs> she's sass and a half. And it's because she's a cat. <laughs> yeah, so Wendy jumps up. She's alive. Uh, she is once again naked because whenever she transforms between cat and human form, her clothes don't come with her because that's life for you. The only thing that stays with her is her necklace, um, which like turns into like a cat collar necklace. And that's just her like necklace on a regular basis. So she jumps up, she's alive. It's an exciting time. And uh, then she's throwing up in the bathroom because coming back from the dead is not fun. Um, during the same time that like Wendy's waking up and being resurrected. Uh, we cut to Freya in the picture with Doug. I'm really glad you noted his name was Doug. I know they said it once or twice in this entire show. I never noted it. So he is always the X in my notes. Same, until the very end. And I was like, wait a minute, who's Doug? And then they flash him. And I was yeah. like, oh, oh, Doug, that's right. They did say it a couple of times, but 
Yeah, I yeah. was like three quarters of the way through my notes. So I was like, eh, not going to change it now. You don't get a name, sir. So uh, Doug is in the painting with Freya. He kind of explains his master plan, like the true archvillain he is, where now he's going to monologue for a little bit. And this is also when we find out, like, Doug's a really fucked up human being. So Freya's obviously no clue what's going on. She doesn't remember her past lives. She doesn't know who Doug is. He's literally just this random creepy dude who forced her into a painting. Doug kind of starts monologuing about how, I guess, like, Freya never doesn't actually remember him after all. And he expected a bit more of a fight but he never meant to hurt her. She drove him to all of this. He just wanted to marry her. And it was really her fault that he started hitting her in the first place because he just wanted her to understand and she wouldn't listen. So his only course of action, which I guess I should have put this in beforehand, uh, is trigger warnings of domestic violence, is to basically start abusing his girlfriends. Because that is the obvious solution. And it truly is the words of an abuser. So apparently, we kind of can piece together as the audience. Back in one of Freya's past lives, she met this Doug guy. They dated. He wanted to marry her. He was physically abusive. Probably didn't go well. And my understandings is then probably the family, when Freya was like, yo, my boyfriend's hitting me, trapped him in a painting. Because we don't stand. Freya is a spiry spirit. And uh, yeah, like you were just about to say, we don't stand for that shit. Yeah, there's, we don't, we don't let abusers get away with that shit. We will trap your ass in a painting for all time. So boom, Doug, boom. Uh, So we also just realized that Doug's just fucking insane. Um, He's a crazy guy that I am okay to see just murdered. And as he then explains, what he's going to do is he's going to tie Freya up into this painting, in this speakeasy painting, and then he's going to light it on fire. And she'll burn to death in there. He'll escape. And she won't be reborn because she'll be on like a different kind of plane because she's trapped in this painting. So she can't be reborn with her mother. And that's going to be his ultimate revenge. So he ties her up using magic, kind of like ties her to the bar, puts over what I'm assuming is a bottle of gin because it's the 1920s. Everything was gin. Lights the bar on fire and he still has like that athame curved knife that he then starts like trying to carve his way out of a brick wall, which will be like the portal out of the painting. And that's just kind of where we leave Freya. This is, this is Freya's problem to deal with because Ingrid's not getting her act together fast enough like I love Ingrid with a passion but like she, she's she got to pick this up and so yeah then we have uh, Wendy's alive she's throwing up in the toilet and this is also when we find out that Wendy's very upset over what just occurred in her life not because she was stabbed that happens to a person you know it's just that's that's Wendy's life these days but because Ingrid did resurrection magic to bring her back and that's a big no-no and that's a big no-no in most magic always 
So Wendy says like, why would you do that? I was coming back anyway. It just takes a little bit of time. You just, you should have waited. But with the resurrection spell, balance must be restored. She tried to basically break the balance to save the life of someone she loved, which means now someone Ingrid loves must die. Yay. Which honestly, though, this this equal exchange holds pretty true in real life. Very true. Just fun fact for y'all. So I liked that aspect that they kept that. Um, I also want to say real quickly, before we flash to poor Wendy on the toilet, uh, we cut back to Joe, who's finishing her her spell, and the smoke shows an unbroken pentagram, and so that's the magical sign that I don't know how to exactly read that, but that's the sign that Frey is still alive. And Joanna, it's just it's so quick. It's like thirty seconds. Joanna's just like, oh thank God she's alive can't hold it back and Adam's just like um excuse me oh it's Mara I'm so glad Mara's alive uh can I call my lawyer now Joanna's a sly witch and I love her for it like right yeah just a quick little insertion there I loved it so much and then yeah we cut to poor Wendy in the toilet just fireball the pentagram and the smoke very well done like, because it was very casual and very, like, I don't know, very delicate work, I feel like, for something that was, like, a spell. Because I feel like in most media, we're used to seeing spells be, like, explosive. And it's, like, zoom in on what's happening with the spell effect. But this was just, like, very casual. It's very wide frame. Like, we can see Adam in the background. Joanna's not even, like, center in focus. And it's just, like, pentagram. Ah. Yeah. I really yeah. liked that as well. Thank you for actually bringing that up. No worries. Yeah. I know it's real quick, but uh, yeah, I liked it enough. And then, of course, it still cracks me up that we transition back to the toilet. And Wendy I just, you know, laid it out there for In- Ingrid, just knows nothing, went into all of this super blind and is mad at her for reasonably is mad at Joe for not telling them anything versus Ingrid you know basically resurrecting you know someone you love and then someone you love has to die so because Freya hasn't been saved yet we're led to believe that oh shit that's gonna be Freya as the equal exchange I bit attention added there I did really like because Wendy first of all First of all, I wish I looked that good after throwing up. Like this was this was a moment where I was like, "Oh, Hollywood!" Like Wendy's literally died, brought back to life, throws up in a toilet, like flips her hair back, and looked like she just had like a five day spa retreat. I was like, "This is unfair." Um, makeup's perfect, hair is perfect. Very jealous, but I did love that when she starts like explaining consequences to the resurrection spell to Ingrid Ingrid's just like a shocked white open mouthed canvas the whole time she's just like what huh and Wendy's like I'm so mad your mom doesn't explain things I'm so upset we're in this situation and you know what we'll talk in the car and she like is trying to like put on clothes really quickly because it's like finally someone's jumping into action and like my notes were like thank god wendy's here to save the day like freya's burning to death in a painting and everyone's just like chilling 
So we bounce back to the painting with Freya and uh, the crazy ex. And something I forgot to bring up earlier in this is when he's monologuing about his plans and how he's abusive. He like tries to kiss Freya and it's really gross. Like I legitimately wrote you with like a throwing up face. Cause I was like, this is what we should all be throwing up about. Like poor Wendy's coming back from the dead. This guy makes me want to like hurl. And it's a very disgusting kiss, but in the midst of it, Freya, who not having any of this, just like bites him. Yes, I love love it. it. Like he forces herself on her. She still doesn't know exactly what all is going on between the history of them, but still, nope, I don't stand for that. Mm Mm-mm. It was just like, I I feel like I just had to put the cherry on top to the fact that this guy is the worst. So that's, that's like the little boop and he's doubly horrible. But anyway, the painting's on fire. He's trying to chisel his way out. And then we actually cut to Killian. If anyone remembers in the first episode Killian was playing darts with Freya they were on a friend date as they were calling it even though super sexually charged but they were trying to be friends air quotes (laughs) and so Killian's kind of still hanging around the bar which I also have to note this bar is adorable I would totally go to this bar all the time it's just it's a really pretty bar agreed it's it's just so nice and he's kind of like asking the wait staff and some of the other patrons, it seems like. He's like, hey, has anyone seen Freya? We are playing darts. And this, again, is a small town. So we kind of can assume that everyone knows who Freya is, especially because she's the bartender here. Everyone's like, no, haven't seen her. Like, don't know, man. So he's just kind of waiting there, being like, maybe she'll show up again, I guess. Uh, when Dash enters the scene and they start playing pool and basically all I could really deduce from the conversation is these two men do not like each other at all. No, and of course we get no background as to what happened, but they allude to it all throughout the episode. There's no super context. It's mostly like Dash comes in. He's like, so what you want here? When will you leave? Basically get out of my life. Killian's like, who says I want anything from you? I'm going to be here as long as I damn well please. It's a very charged scene of two people who hate each other, but are trying very hard not to kill each other in a public setting. Yes. Yeah, and then basically Dash beats Killian at pool super quick. Um, Killian just kind of walks out at this point. He's he's over this conversation. He's over waiting for Freya. He just leaves. So he leaves the bar entirely. And this is when Killian is kind of, excuse me, Dash is like, oh, wait, and grabs a waitress. Is like, hey, have you seen Freya? So everyone's looking for Freya. <laughs> And no one knows where she is. Bum, bum, bum. She's in. And then, of course, perfect timing. Flashback to the painting. And we just get quick seconds of Flame is running up the alcohol line up the bar. 
straight towards Freya, tied up at the end. <laughs> and then cut to Wendy and Ingrid in the car. They're on their way to the bar to save Ingrid. Wendy is frustratingly trying to tell Ingrid everything, yet just the basics, because it's really Joanna's place to explain the details. Um, but this is where we you know, find out that uh, Doug is Wendy's old boyfriend. It's from a past life, so that's why you guys don't remember him. Um, it's part of their curse. Ingrid's just so confused. Well, all women in this family are cursed. But this is specifically where Joe needs to go into, Joanna, sorry, needs to go into the details with y'all. Um, plus all the women just have really bad luck with men. It's not part of the curse. They're just stupid that way. <laughs> Which I really liked as a line as well. Pretty sure, like, all my favorite lines from this movie just come from Wendy. Wendy is a delight. She is just a delight to have on scene. One of the other parts of the scene I actually really liked is... Because they're, like, zooming in the car to try to get to the bar to save Freya. And, yeah, like, Wendy's like, yeah, it's, it's an ex-boyfriend's trying to kill her. And Ingrid's immediately like, Josh Meyer? Who the hell is Josh Meyer? And why do we assume this guy is a murderer? <laughs> I don't know why I just laughed so hard where I was like I don't know who Josh Meyer is I don't think we're ever gonna meet Josh Meyer but man Ingrid has your number like apparently yes yes that was actually funny too bad blood between Josh and Ingrid no 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 it's a past life not this life calm down <laughs> Flash next to, we meet Harrison, who is now Joanna's lawyer, who is also apparently immortal, but uh, it's been about 50 years since they last saw each other. She tells him, hey, someone's trying to kill me. It's, what? You can't be killed. You're immortal. It's part of your curse. No, it's possible. It's just really difficult. and They're really trying. <laughs> um, well, I can't help you with that, but I can help get you out of jail. Just thought it was a quick, it's a quick, it's actually kind of cute, sassy exchange. Oh, there is definitely some, like, flirtatiousness to this. It's like, this lawyer is like, yeah, you called. Yes, like, Joanna <laughs> hates the fact that she had to call, but she had to call. She knows she's going to get the job done. I love it. Yeah, I, I also really liked his little introduction. I thought it was so cute. Like, I, I legitimately was like, ooh, witch lawyer. Like, <laughs> I also really liked him. So um, we cut back to the painting where Freya is screaming because the bar is on fire. As you said, the flames are getting nearer. The whole room is filling with smoke. Doug is mostly carved a hole out of the painting at this point. You kind of see some light and most of the brickwork is gone. And just Freya just starts panicking and screams, breaking all the glassware on the bar. And then the bindings that Doug had used tired to the bar just kind of unravel and go away. Because in a panic, witch powers come out, apparently. Ooh. Also, I thought the glass shatters just because the flame is getting so hot so quick, so close to it. Oh, I, I thought it was her magic. 
I thought it was her. I don't know. I Maybe know for sure, was. though, the ropes came off because of her panic use of magic. Um, so then Freya escapes from the rope bindings, grabs like a bottle or something, and basically just hits Doug, bringing him down, grabs the athame from him, finishes and starts like finishing carving the hole to get out. Because when you monologue and you explain your escape plan, <laughs> if your victims get out, they know how to get out too. <laughs> Fun tip for all those uh, super villains <laughs> out there. Um, during all of this, we then cut back to Joanna, who's back in her holding cell with Harrison outside. And he basically is like, who's the best lawyer? I got you bail on a murder charge. And yeah, like he is less than humble about this fact, which, you know, it's pretty big deal. I, I respect the hustle. Um, sad news is it's something like a million dollars to mm-hmm. bail her out but it is a first degree murder charge so and like she's only been in this holding cell for like a couple of hours really so yeah. that's basically unheard of yeah. i really like that scene too because uh he admits that i guess harrison can't do magic but he got friends who can and they dig up dirt this yeah. is why he's awesome Joanna's basically like, well, you're saying yourself it's difficult to even get bail on a murder charge and you did it in no time at all. So I assume you called in a shady favor from one of your shady friends who did a shady ass deal because you are a shady ass lawyer. And he's like, hey, you're now one of my shady clients. So how about we leave the name calling at the door? (laughs) Yes. I started laughing so hard. I was like, this is the best thing ever. If you're going to be a lawyer, be Harrison, I guess. But you have to be immortal for this to work. Otherwise, you know. Otherwise, you're just kind of a shitty person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, you just are the worst. But if you're immortal, you know, follow your dreams. <laughs> I say to all our immortal listeners. Uh, <laughs> I kind of forgot where I was at. There we go. So uh, Freya, then we cut back. We see that she's actually on the ground in the bathroom in front of the painting. So we assume she got out. She kind of fell out in some way. There's smoke in the bathroom. The painting, uh, which is like an oil painting on the wall, is like smoldering. And you see the edges are on fire. And there's like smoke just in the air. And then you see like strong masculine arms pick her up and carry her out where she's put down on a pool table and then starts making out with Killian. Because when you have smoke damage, you know, make out for a little bit. Right? She, like, it seems like she, like, passed out from the smoke and then this was, she woke up, like, as giving mouth to mouth, but then Silas turned it into a kiss. It was, it was interesting. Yeah, it was. It was definitely something. So they uh, start kissing on top of the pool table for a little bit. And then we eventually kind of pull away from it. And we realize that this hasn't been Killian. It was actually Dash who saved her. Uh, She was hallucinating. And was thinking about making out with Killian when she was making out with her fiance. Dash. Uh, yeah, that's that's a that's a rough go of things. And as I bring this up at the end of the episode, but I guess I'll kind of bring it up now. 
this is obviously set up to be a love triangle. Like this is as love triangly as we get. It's, you know, like two brothers, one woman, who will she choose? Um, but it is also, I think, very set up to, we're supposed to be rooting for Killian. Like th- this was a strong scene where it was like, oh, but like we're we're supposed to be rooting that this is Killian, and we're kind of disappointed when we find out it's Dash. Like he's the underdog, of course. This was made for Lifetime. We all have to remember that, and written for young adults originally. So we have to follow. Yes, that specific trope. Yeah, and, and it, it totally gets me. I'll admit it. I'll talk about this more at the end of the episode because I have a lot of <laughs> okay. um, which is why I was like, oh, I'll bring it up shortly. And then I realized I had a lot of thoughts on it. So end of episode. Nikki's going to rant. <laughs> oh, sorry. So we find out it's Dash, which is also a little more jarring because Dash is a doctor. And so the fact that's like this smoke damaged person, I'm just going to make out with for a little bit here. Um, Dash, you are a doctor. You took a code uh, oath, some would say. You know, keep it in your pants, man. Um, but then we like set Freya up. She's fine. And Killian's like, excuse me, I want him to be Killian. Dash is like, are you okay? How are you feeling? What happened? I just found you in the bathroom. It was smoky. You were on the ground. And Freya says she must have passed out. She went in to like use the bathroom, wash her hands. And she's she must have fallen unconscious to don't know why she must have been dizzy or something she remembers passing out uh because she had the weirdest dream she was in a speakeasy and someone was trying to kill her and she's kind of trying to explain this and then she's like yeah it was super strange like last thing i remember it was i was playing darts with killian this is where dash super perks up and we get that reinforcement that dash hates his brother with fiery passion and while this is all going on, thing I really loved, I want to bring it up, is she's trying to explain what happened to her, and Dash is like nodding, and she's focused on Dash, and Dash has her back, his back to the rest of the bar, and then we see Ingrid and Wendy come like sprinting through the rest of the bar, like on a mission to save a life that is sitting on a pool table. Right, I love that. So smooth. <laughs> They go straight for the bathroom, launch right into, and they just didn't even notice. Well, then, yeah, so get to the bathroom. Wendy picks up the candle that is still on the counter from when this Doug got Freya into the painting. Hey, uh, I might turn into a cat soon involuntarily. It's probably going to last a little while. Just you got this. I told you everything. Just remember to chant what I told you. And lo and behold, she accidentally goes into the stall and turns into a cat. Hangar's freaking out. Does the spell, though. And for whatever reason, but also good thing, Freya comes walking back in. Oh my gosh, you're free. How'd you get out of the painting? How'd you know about my dream? Freya, it's not a dream. I think there was also a moment where Ingrid's like, I'm such a good witch. Because Freya just like walks in and she's like, oh my god, I did it. Like, <laughs> Probably. So good. She doesn't really know what's going on. Right. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so hey, it wasn't a dream. We gotta go though. Makes Fred carry Wendy's clothing out. Ingrid grabs the cat. Fred is very confused. That and Wendy's cat. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Um, Mom was arrested, so we gotta go help her now. They leave, rush on out, and Doug's hand flies out of the painting as they leave. And cut away. Slightly made me jump. Me too. Like, the fact you're still kind of, like, the camera was still focused on the painting in the room, and we hear, like, the bathroom door close. I was like, okay, so something's gonna happen. I just wasn't expecting, like, the hand to come towards me. Like, it was, it was very forceful, and I was like, oh, jeez. Yes. Yep. Agreed. Glad I wasn't the only one, then. <laughs> I'm apparently a wimp, yeah. so. <laughs> you know what? It's just been a long couple of weeks for me. That's fair. In my own defense. Uh, you've um, been snowed in in the Texas storms. Like, that's. Yes, people. I just went through Snowmageddon in Texas. For all y'all who give Texans shit about it, F you. I mean, I'm going to give Texas shit about it. We're built to release heat because we have really hot summers. There's no way that any of these houses and infrastructures were built for snow. Anywho. Oh, I'm not giving the Texas residents or architects shit for it. I'm giving the Texas engineers and power grid managers shit for it the same way I'll give PG&E shit for anything. Like, you're a multi-billion dollar company. Get your fucking shit together. True. Especially when multiple board members don't even live in the state of Texas and a couple, I think. At least one doesn't even live in the country. That's reassuring. Anywho, politics aside, we cut to Joanna writes a coded message for Harrison to give to the girls. Harrison makes a quick joke. Oh, you don't trust me about your money, huh? You can't just tell me where it is. We've got a long history together. And that's exactly why I can't trust you. But I trust you enough, to, or you trust me enough to call me to be your lawyer. Yeah, well, you're the only one who actually knows my full history and knows that I'm innocent. It, it's true. Very logical, very passioned, very smooth. And, like, Joanna does admit, she's like, it's not me, it's a shifter. And, like, he's the only lawyer who would be like, oh, yeah, of course. Like, obviously. I also get the hunch that this guy was probably, like, the lawyer to like the gangster families of the 1920s. Like he has that vibe. I can see it. I can see it. Uh, it's that quick little scene though. We're back in the car. Ingrid is telling Freya about their powers and how they're cursed. And Wendy, who very conveniently turns into a human right then. And Wendy continues to explain about the shifter, how it's uh like, Wendy can turn into a cat, but she's not a shifter. The shifter turned into Joanna and is causing the trouble. Ingrid starts to explain the resurrection spell because she's still worried that Freya's going to die because of it. Wendy shuts her up about it. Um, very conveniently, also now get a voicemail from the lawyer as Wendy and Freya continue to talk. Lawyer says we need a hundred thousand for the mom's bail. The code is it's with Aunt Marilyn. 
Ingrid's so confused. Freya's also confused because um, Aunt Marilyn is dead. We visited her grave all the time as children. And then you see the spark just come into Wendy's eyes. Oh, your mom is a crafty witch. And uh, we're going to need some shovels. Love it. I think um, a lot of the first episode is Wendy being pretty sisterly mean to Joanna. Like, it's like, why do you dress like a like 50-year-old? Why are you dressing like a school teacher? Like, why didn't you tell them? Why don't you go out? And then this, like, whole episode is Wendy's like, God, my sister's amazing. Like, <laughs> it's a real 180 on Wendy with her sister in this episode. Which it's I appreciate. all the little points that, you know, when you, you're away from someone, you're like, oh, and then you come back and, like, you hear their snarker, like, for you, honestly, like, when I haven't talked to you in a while, and then I hear your biting sarcasm. Those are the moments that I forget and that I absolutely love. <laughs> just fun fact for you. Oh, I'm happy to hear Refreshing. it. Refreshing. And then it just, like, it makes it all that much better when I hear it again. I haven't been there to hear it so, so you know, I feel it's like the, it's kind of one of those situations it's similar with you like whenever I go out with friends and they like I say something very snarky and like low low-key mean and they're just like yeah okay they walk away I'm like you're not Jade <laughs> like I'm just I have these moments where it's like god I wish you were Jade like oh yeah it's we obviously miss each other everyone but uh, another part of the car scene I really liked is when Wendy is trying to describe that she's a shifter, but she's an animal shifter and there's human shifters out there. Freya gets really excited. She's like, oh, so can I shape change? And Wendy's like, no. She goes, can I fly? No. <laughs> it's, this real, it's this real sad moment for Freya where it's like, well, there goes those dreams. Right. Not that stereotypical type of witch for her yeah Bummer. oh and then actually another scene didn't write it down but it's just it cracked me up that it was said when wendy first wakes up hey do you guys have my clothes it's colder than a witch's teat back here <laughs> it's like oh <laughs> common saying you're a witch your teats are showing and you're cold so it's just well-rounded little too perfect it really cracked Wendy's perfect. I I want to grow up to be Wendy. It's not going to happen, but whatever. <laughs> so we leave all this and we cut to Killian's boat, which, as we mentioned from the first episode, he has the marina and he tried to get Freya to come visit him on. So he's kind of hanging on his boat and then Dash comes down the pier and it's like, oh, I remember this boat. We used to go all the time when we were kids with dad. Remember how we used to like beg him to let us spend the night on it and we called it camping? Oh, such a little white boy privilege. Like this whole interaction, sure. I was like, oh right, to be wealthy white men. Like what a life you must have lived as children. Uh, but then basically Dash kind of pulls out a money clip of large bills and it's like yeah he pulls out money he pulls out a check I thought it was I thought it was cash is it a check? check please take the check 
Well, well, well stated. I guess I totally missed that because I actually wrote down cash. Huh. So I I was also eating at this point. I might have glanced at the wrong time. So Dash pulls out a checkbook and basically is like, how much will it take for you to leave? Because he doesn't really want Killian there. And he's like, you obviously want something. You obviously need money. That's the only reason why you ever come back. So how much do you want? I'll pay for it. I'll give you the money. You can leave once more. Like, you don't have to bug mom for money. You don't have to bug anyone else. You can just get this out of the way and get out of here. It's also kind of assumed that there's at some point they were close because Dash then, like, Killian kind of denies the check, says he wants to stay as long as he wants to stay. He doesn't need his brother's money. And Killian says there was, like, once a time in their lives when he would have killed for Killian. He would have taken a bullet for him. Uh, That time was long past. Now he just wants him to get out of here. And Killian kind of is like, I feel exactly the same. These guys really don't like each other, and it's really sad. Right? Tough. Because basically, Dash admits, I effing hate your guts now. Like, that is the bottom line of what he's saying. Which is, you know, like a total 180 from what he was just going into when he first came up on the boat. So, the suspense, man, I want to know what happened. What broke these brothers apart? Well, at the beginning, so like at the beginning, I kind of was weirdly on Dash's side where he was like, dude, I'll just write you the check. You're obviously here for money. That's the only reason why you ever visit us. Like, take the money and go. And like Killian, um, Killian obviously is kind of like a wanderer. He doesn't spend a lot of time here. And Dash like also kind of a wanderer he does doctors without borders but he kind of has like a life here he has their mother there um and she's a bitch but he's still she's still his mother so i kind of at the beginning was on dash's side i was like i get it you have that close family member who only like seems to give a damn when they need something from you and if it's just money like yeah you don't want them around you don't want them to you don't want to see your parent go through that like to be like, I'm back because I love you, mom. But really, like, give me $10,000. Like, that's, you, you want to spare, yeah, you want to spare a parental figure from that. And I I totally under kind of understood Dash in those moments where I was like, okay, I get it. The way he's kind of putting it out there at the beginning, it seems like Dash is like, look, just like, don't ask for money from anyone else. Like, don't stay here if you're just going to, like, hurt everyone just take the money and like leave with as little pain as possible. And I I respected that weirdly. I was like, okay, Dash, that's, that's a bold move. I respect this decision. But then as it like the scene goes on, you get this undercurrent that it's like, no, this is definitely more just Dash wanting him to leave because Dash doesn't like him. So it started off with me really being team Dash. And I was like, ah, damn. We're so close. Bummer. Yes. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't don't, like say this to be like, I've been there. I have a sibling. Like, Like, I don't. But I do have family members like that where I'm just like, dude, like, 
if I didn't have to see you, I'd live, I'd live a happy life. Um, so after all this, Killian says he's going to stay. He dash kind of walks away defeated. We kind of realized that these brothers would apparently kill each other if they were given the chance and the law enforcement wouldn't get involved. And then we cut to this random woman who's leaving a commercial building of some form. She's on the cell phone. She's like, yeah, honey, I'm leaving right now. I'll be home for dinner. And lo and behold, Doug comes out of fucking nowhere and just like grabs her. She drops the phone. He like puts his hand over her mouth. She kind of like wrestles her face away enough to be like, just take the money. And he's like, I don't want your money. Stabs her throws her body in the trunk and is like, I want your car. Unnecessary. And totally so unnecessary. This guy is unhinged. This is a crazy ass dude. I want to see like killed. Um, and then he grabs the phone and calls the shifter. We're assuming because he's kind of talking about his master plan again, says that Freya got away from him. He's still going to kill her. That is still on the table. He just has to track her down one more time. So throws the body in the trunk of the car, steals the car, goes screeching off, and he's loose in the world once more, basically. And yes, a very unnecessary murder that I don't think will ever come up again in this entire show. Not in this episode, that's for damn sure. (laughs) After this, we cut to Wendy and Ingrid, who are uh, basically unburying a grave. So they're like digging up a grave of who we assume is Aunt Marilyn. And Freya's kind of sitting on the edge of their hole with a shovel, but not participating because she doesn't want to. Uh, she's asking a bunch of questions about to like Wendy and Ingrid about what's happening. They're really trying to talk to her about it, but at the same time, they're also trying to dig up this grave. So finally, Ingrid, Ingrid kind of cracks. It's like, you know what you could do? You could get in this hole and help us. And <laughs> Freya finally admits and says, sure, and jumps into the grave and starts helping them dig where eventually Freya's shovel hits something and they are able to unbury like the old school uh, coffin. This is before caskets. So it's like the geometric design that is the stereotypical Halloween coffin. And Ingrid and Freya are like, okay, what if we're wrong? What if it is Aunt Marilyn? What if that's a dead body? And Wendy, who has just been having the time of her life this whole time is like, well, there's one way to find out. And just throws open the coffin because this is Wendy. And there is just insane amounts of money inside. Like this coffin is completely full. It is probably a good six foot long coffin that is just wads and wads to the lid of like $100 bills. A couple things about the scene that get me. Um I did actually really like how when Freya's just standing there asking about, you know, how everything works with witchcraft, why can't we just snap our fingers and have this be done? Doesn't work like that. True in real life. Um, and Wendy's trying to very gently explain basically equal exchange and shit doesn't come out of thin air. You want a TV? You want a car? 
fine. That's going to come from literally somewhere else in the world. Someone's not going to get it. And we briefly touched on this in a previous one of our episodes where like if you do a money spell typically those don't end up just you know you don't get free cash you're essentially taking it from someone else so don't be selfish I, I, I really appreciate it that it was reiterated in this I kind of actually forgot about this but I do remember that episode because we were talking about like the Instagram posts and stuff that were like get money I did think about that with Wendy where she was like, if you want money, fine, you can have it, but like, you're going to be stealing from someone. That's how this works. And this does kind of go into what we were talking about in one of those last episodes. I can't even remember which one it was where it's like money spells have to be very well worded to be like, I'll work for it. I just need the opportunity for it as opposed to be like, just give it to me. And uh, I feel like that's what Wendy was going towards. So I'm really glad you brought it up because I actually forgot to. So thank you. Of course. Another thing about this scene that gets me is as soon as they open up the coffin and see all the cash and they get super excited and they grab handfuls and just keep throwing it up in the air. And I friggin' hate it. Hate it. When people do this in movies, TV shows, etc. Because, first of all, I mean, I'm, I'll admit, probably paranoid. What if some of those bills fly away? Second of all, you're going to have to fucking pick all those back up. There's, what's the point then? You also work in a bank. It's difficult to pick them up than just not throwing it in the first place. It's <laughs> tiny little things, but it just, it's a, such a pet peeve for me. Ugh. I think it was out of character for, like, Ingrid to participate in it. But Frey on Wendy just be like, yeah, we're going to throw this around. Totally in character. I was like, yep, that adds up. This is who these people are. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, and then, actually, they only show it very quickly. And it's really dark. Missed it um, first go-round on this episode. The shifter has, like, a, a pond or something like that, a seeing glass. I'm not entirely sure. It's not entirely clear, but is watching all this unfold. So she's definitely keeping tabs on the family, which is not terribly reassuring. Um, um, oh, something else I did forget to bring up because I now just switched my notes in it. When Freya is asking about like how the magic works, how everything works, like can't she just get money? She does ask Wendy if she's always kind of been like this. Like, is she new to Wendy? Is this who she's always been? And Wendy is like, Freya, you've always been Freya. Like, you are not new to me. I literally met you and was like, yeah, this is her. You're always kind of been, like, falling in love often, very wild, very carefree, and I've we've always had a good time together. And then Freya, like, feeling really emboldened by this, is like, well, what about Ingrid? Has she always been, like, a stick-in-the-mud, like, bookworm? And there was a really good line from this, which is the only reason why I feel like I should bring it up later now, is where Wendy's like, Ingrid's always been a little different, but I've never seen her as scared as she is now. Like, she's always been smart. She's always been intellectual. She's always been very calculating. But this is like the first life I've seen where she seems scared of the world. And... It was just, it was a really good observation of Ingrid 
I I really appreciated it. Me too, actually. Well then, so we also cut to they're all back at home. Joanna included. We assume we bailed her out. We have all the money. Yep. We don't care to look at the paperwork. We don't need that in our show. We're just <laughs> going to skip to the warm home. Um, but they're all trying to figure out, like, okay, so who is the shifter? What's her deal? Why? Wendy says, well, Joanna's very old. She's got a lot of enemies. Joanna's like, hey, okay, I don't have that many enemies. You got a fair number of enemies. Ray is resentful that she was made to feel crazy because she totally sensed her powers as a kid but had to go to therapy to prove she wasn't a witch. Um, Joanna's like, hey, you can't tell anybody that we're witches. Just right off the bat, rule number one, don't do it. You can't even tell Dash, your fiancé, Freya. First rule of witch club, don't talk about witch club. Yes, I was just about to say that I liked it. (laughs) A pop culture reference in pop culture. (laughs) Beautiful. Um, Bray is still just too upset, so she runs away. Goes to see Killian. Killian's a little, hey, uh, why did you come see me? Why not Dash? Well, Dash is going to fix things, and I don't want things to be fixed right now. I want to wallow. And you seem like you're good at wallowing. Not a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> just, Fred basically just tells him, uh, let's not talk, because we're going to make things awkward. Let's just sit, watch the stars, let me wallow. Killian keeps trying to figure things out. I don't want to talk. I'm going to sit and watch the stars and wallow. They, they do have this nice moment that I really liked where she, where when she's like, yeah, I don't want to go see Dash. Like he's just saying, fix everything. And he's like, okay. And he seems super confused by that fact. Cause it's like, well, it seems like something could be fixed. And she's like, well, do you ever just have family drama you don't want to deal with and you just want to wallow in it? And that seems to kind of bring Killian to the situation specifically after what we saw with Dash where he's like yeah okay I get you now (laughs) like I just I don't know I really thought the scene was really cute because I think there are a lot of times in people's lives where it's like yeah having someone who's there to be the positive outlook to be like well we'll tackle this head-on as a team super nice super great to have in like any friendship relationship family ship what have you but sometimes you just want someone to be like, that sucks. Why don't you sit here and we'll just wallow in how much it sucks? Yes. I didn't write it down, but one line that I liked that Killian said was something like, um, yeah, he knows what the family drama is all about because he always tries to run away from it when he's been all over the world and unfortunately you can't actually run away from it. The phrase I think that is now when Freya's like, nope, we don't need to talk. We don't need to get deep. Just let me lay here and wallow. Which is like weirdly so true to to real life though. Like I feel like it's very rare in TV shows that people say stuff that you're like, oh my God, I've been there. Specifically in magical TV shows because it's usually like, no one understands my power. Like it's, a lot of us don't have that situation. 
But I feel like everyone at one point in their life has been like, you know what? I could say, fuck it. I could just leave my apartment, leave my house, quit my job and run away to like some other state, some other country. Like, I think that is a very common immediate reaction to a bad situation. Um, Like I've had the reaction. I've had a lot of friends have that reaction where they're like, screw it. I'm just going to go to LA. It's always LA. And I'm like, don't go to LA. LA sucks. Um, So you always like, do you eventually have to draw them back? But it was very, it was very refreshing to see that kind of mirrored back to you very sympathetically in a TV show through some very real acting characters. Cut back to the house. Ingrid can't sleep, won't sleep, because she's very worried about the price of the resurrection spell she did earlier that night. Wendy tells her, basically, it'll happen when it happens. Oh, so it's a giant sword just hanging over my head? That's reassuring. And I really like this next part that Wendy says. Um, Basically, she just says, it happens when it happens. That's exactly how normal life works. So, yes, you're going to feel the pain from it. But it could happen in a month. It could happen in a year. But honestly, again... That's still how normal life works. You could die at any day. So I really like that uh, that reminder to help. Uh, I mean, Ingrid's still overwhelmed, but I think it was good perspective. Yeah, I think, so, I think Wendy is like weirdly, because obviously like John is our mother and we get a lot of really good like guidance and advice and we like a lot of the time she interacts with her daughter. It's very warm. Like we're always like, Oh, how sweet, like how warm. This is one of the few times we kind of see Wendy step up to kind of be a family member, but also the kind of the realist of the family members where it's like, yeah, it sucks. but That's just life for mortals. Like we're not a part of it, but you have to realize that's just how the world works. And it was super sweet. And I w- it was kind of nice to see Wendy take that kind of guardian role for a second. Because she's usually like our spitfire sarcasm. So like seeing her kind of get real for a minute was very heartwarming. I also really appreciated when she walks in and like before she says all this, Ingrid was like, well, I was trying to figure out who would die from the spell so I was making a list of everyone I loved and it turns out there's way more people I loved than I originally thought I was like oh that's that hurts and that's very real like right yeah, sweet. Mm-hmm. feels with this one um well and so Joanna comes in now trying to comfort her daughter Ingrid's again still overwhelmed Everything just looks different now. I mean, even that painting looks different. Oh, wait a minute. That painting is different. It's the one that Doug was being held in. Um, (laughs) Joanna has a little light bulb moment. Uh, Did anybody see Doug? Like, what happened to Doug? I don't know. Um, Hey, we should go back to the bar and double check the painting because um, he's probably still out there. And lo and behold, from when that hand reached out, we know that he is. (laughs) 
Joanne's immediate like, like reaction to the painting though is such a parental thing where it's like I don't know my childhood home anymore like even that wall looks different it's like oh it is I painted it two months ago like it's like oh my whole life is a lie like, <laughs> <laughs> yes I freaking love Joanna I love everyone in this show I don't think I'm team anyone I'm team everyone they all have so many good points um yes but I think I just love how quickly they turn around from Ingrid moping to oh shit we gotta go do something about that and then they all rush off to the bar (laughs) so try to call Freya Freya never picks up but realization and action in this family is very quick it's like it's like what is that effect like it's there's very they're not like let's wallow on this and contemplate our actions it's just like everyone runs at any situation so yeah they run out and then um freya gets a call while she's still on killian's boat that says from mom this is 2012 during filming so she does have a smartphone nice to see so you can see it's just mom and there's like a number underneath And she doesn't want to pick up because she thinks it's her mom just calling to once again apologize and be like, why don't we talk about it? Come home. So she's like, oh, I should go home anyway. I just don't want to talk to her right now. Thanks for letting me like wallow on your boat. She like sits up and gets ready to leave. And she goes, well, I'd hug you, but I probably shouldn't. Kelly goes, yeah, I'd probably enjoy it too much. It's pretty funny. about that line. It was pretty funny. (laughs) I'm going to slip that in there. I I was like, this is like a moment, like tension is back, like emotions are high, and now I'm giggling about a dumb sex joke. Um, so Freya leaves the boat, goes back to the house. She's in the kitchen. You can see that the phone rings again. It's her mom. She ignores it again because it's like late at night at this point. I think she's probably assuming she can kind of sneak in. Uh, we cut back to Joanna and Wendy and Ingrid back at the bar going to look at the painting. Um, obviously, Joanna's on her phone the whole time and is like, she's not picking up. I keep trying to call her. I don't know where she is. Hopefully, she'll call me back. And when we cut back to Freya, she's just like getting a cookie off the counter because Wendy made cookies for Ingrid. So, you know, Freya's poaching one of those. And as she's chomping on it, she looks up because there's some water dripping on her forehead and she can see that there's like water dripping from the second story because their house is two floors. Water dripping from the ceiling in any case, not a fun thing to observe. That is an immediate goddammit. So she goes upstairs to investigate if it's coming from upstairs or if it's like a pipe. And she goes into the bathroom upstairs and sees that the tub is on and has been overflowing this whole time. So it is also a very nice tub. And it is just like flooding the bathroom, which is why the leak is occurring. And, you know, that's going to cost a lot to fix. (laughs) Yeah, that's especially in a historical home, (laughs) right? Their home is gorgeous. I feel like I just need to note this fact. Like this home is freaking beautiful it is very much historic meets modern convenience like there is a fireplace that is a room divider between the kitchen and like one of the living rooms 
all the stairways are kind of those narrow winding ones. Like everything's an antique fixture, but into like large basin basin and stainless steel appliances. It's, it is the dream home for the modern witch. Let me just put it like that. <laughs> like I was looking at this. I was like, if I was a rich woman, I would have this house. And the tub is no different. It's, it's a very large like tub that was like, God, what a life. Yeah. It's like modern clawfoot. It's, yeah goals freaking beautiful yeah like this whole episode I was like man I wish I was rich like dash damn it like <laughs> freaking a um but the tub's overflowing obviously Freya is annoyed by it she goes to turn off the tub and as she does Doug comes out fucking nowhere the ex from hell and basically just starts drowning Freya in this overflowed tub um eventually the family realizes that they should go back to the house and they come running back in Freya's being drowned and as this is occurring also um she seems to be drowned or at least subdued and then Doug does like a freezing spell on the water of the tub which kind of like entombs her into the tub now, we can assume as an audience, this will obviously kill a person, um, but this will not break the resurrection resurrection cycle. So if Freya by chance did die here, like she would be resurrected because she's literally just dying in a tub. So not the worst thing that could happen, but still pretty shitty because we like Freya. And we don't want to like have to see her be an infant again, obviously. So she's being frozen to the tub. Everyone kind of comes bursting in, streams Freya. They all start fighting Doug, who loses concentration on the freezing spell. The water unfreezes. Freya floats back to the top. Ingrid is able to pull Freya out of the water. This is kind of where we can assume Freya wasn't fully like unconscious drowning because when Ingrid does and kind of just shakes her, like she starts spitting up the tub water. So she she didn't need like CPR or anything. She was somewhat conscious and fine um at this joanna starts like trying to beat doug's ass what you know rightfully done joanna and basically like they're just hand on hand fighting and joanna just pins him to a wall like a fucking badass and tells wendy to get the candle from the bathroom and wendy does she goes and grabs the candle and runs back into the hallway and chants a spell to which Joanna grabs the nearest painting off their wall and just shoves Doug back into it. Boom. Thank God. What convenient timing. Also. For all of it. Sad that the painting now has Doug in it because it was a nice painting. It was. Nice foresty. Yeah, it was like a Grecian forest of some form. It was like, you know, like the pillar gazebo with some grapevines and like the green forest hills behind it. I was like, oh, what a beautiful Grecian artwork that now has a fucking psycho in it. Fun. But we have finally gotten Doug out of the picture or into the picture. Uh, Hilarious. (laughs) Please don't cut that out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now I'm gonna. Oh man! Just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, and 
everyone seems fine. Freya's alive. Ingrid kind of takes care of her. We won't worry about the damages due to water of the house. They're fucking rich. And we cut to them outside, back in the graveyard <laughs> with Aunt Marilyn. And they're going, they're digging once more up the grave of Aunt Marilyn to basically bury the painting. And Ingrid says, wouldn't it be smarter if we just hung it on the wall so we could keep an eye on it? To which Joanna's like, we tried that. Look what happens. It's better if we just get rid of it. And Freya asks if it wouldn't be better that we just kill the painting, if we just burn it. Like, let's just kill him. And this is like one of my favorite moments. Because Joanna's like, no, Freya, we don't do that. And it's a very stern moment to which Wendy gives her the most sister look of like the cocked eyebrow, like, really? And she goes, well, anymore. So we're just going to mm-hmm. bury it. <laughs> this is excellent. <laughs> Definitely. Ugh, loved it. I, I loved it because it's like, Wendy and Joanna have definitely killed their fair share of people throughout their lives like that is just the way of this world and it's like not to the point where they're like willing to play the moral high ground but with like major footnotes (laughs) so they just decide to bury the painting back where they basically dug up all the money so it's going to be the grave of aunt marilyn bury it there where no one can find it doug will just be encased in the painting forever Wendy says it's not the worst painting to be trapped in. It's better than the last one. So true. Forest over desert. Yeah, I agree yeah. there. Yeah, it's getting off easy. Yeah, it's not it's not as bad as it could have been. And they bury it up, and then the sun starts to rise, and they arrive back at their house because this all happened in like a twenty four hour period. What a day! What a day! So we cut to. Joanna sitting at the table doing a tarot reading for herself and they're still the same. Wendy says, it's not going to change. Joanna is very worried about losing girls because we've gone over this before. Episode one. This is the longest that the girls have ever lived in a single lifetime. Joanna has had so many that's the rebirth she doesn't think she can handle another one like if they die in this lifetime it's gonna kill her Wendy says she'll stay to help because you know have you ever known me to run away from a fight we'll figure out this shifter business which was actually really sweet after you know considering they haven't talked for a hundred years and technically it's only been like maybe two days since Wendy came into town like maybe a couple more like a day yeah Because we started this whole, like, crazy painter ex business, like, the morning after she showed up. It's like she showed up in the evening, and then they were like, who's in our attic? And then it was like, go into the second part. So, yeah, she's been there for, like, 36 hours. Cut to the shifter is, I believe it's the backyard of the Beauchamp's house. I, I was a little bit unclear. I couldn't. It, sure it, it was backyard. just the Beauchamp house, and then it was like a tree. Yeah. So the shifter, you know, looking like Joanna Beauchamp, goes up to this 
lovely multi-trunk tree draws that same symbol that she had been drawn in the dirt from the beginning of the first episode with her own blood on the tree. The tree instantly starts, like it radiates out from that symbol, turns black, loses all leaves, it's dead. Very bad sign. And roll credits. And episode. I I really like this episode. Like, obviously, I can't judge it alone because it is kind of the second part to the pilot. And I really liked the pilot. So it's it's very connected in that way. Overall, I think I stick with my initial episode one critique where I really just like the dialogue. I like how a lot of the characters interact with each other. Obviously, it's young adult. So like I said, there's a love triangle. Like some of the lines are super cheesy. But just between like Ingrid and Freya or between the aunts and their mother, like all of them have very realistic, very nice dialogue that is like slightly reminiscent of, I guess, like the Gilmore Girls era where everyone, all the dialogue was kind of witty, but very natural flowing. And after Fort Salem, that's a really nice thing to see. I agree wholeheartedly. Plus, yeah, oh, there's a couple good quips that I really like throughout this. We get some good action. I like it. I like it. Uh, going into what I was started saying at the beginning, where I was like, I'll get into that at the end of the show. When I was talking about the love triangle and how we're obviously supposed to like Killian Moore and everything. Yes, the rant. So it's it's not a rant. It is a understanding. So I <laughs> recently bought the books for Witches of East End. I'd never read them. I know you have. Yes. Yeah. So I didn't know they were also like the universe of the Blue Blood series and everything. Like they are fully ingrained in YA fiction. 100%. I'm like almost done with the first book and the books in the show are so different, like so extremely different because the show is not trying to be in the blue bloods world. They're not trying to be in the YA world. They're like something that comes up in the book a lot is how like Freya is only supposed to be like 19, but in the show Freya's like in her late twenties it's kind of set she's supposed to be like 20 or like in her 20s of some form yeah i just assumed early 20s not late 20s oh i thought she was like supposed to be like 26 27 no i assumed like 21 well season two i know she has a birthday so we will find out then how old she is (laughs) eventually but anyway like Freya's older than the books admit and so is Ingrid and everything in the show like everyone's of somewhat in their 20s everyone's out of high school out of college Ingrid's working on her dissertation and Freya is you know a legal bartender of very legal age she can probably rent a car I think it was a very good call of the show to age everyone up and make them a bit more mature Because I think otherwise it would have been a very Twilight-ish show. Like everything would have been very melodramatic. Because the books are very melodramatic. They're YA. 
But aging everyone up as they did in the show really gives it a bit more complexity. So it's like Freya deciding whether or not to marry Dash and like, you know, having this connection with um, Killian is like, it's a serious thing. It's something that they bring up a lot. It's like, well, you're engaged to Dash. Do you think that's a good idea? Do you want to go through with this? It's not treated like a teenage infatuation. It's treated very seriously with like the effects that marriage should be. And I really appreciate how the show is handling this dynamic as opposed to the books. The books are great, but very different situations handled very differently. So it's been forever since I've read the books, like basically since they came out. Um, But from what I recall, having read the books and then when the first season of the TV show came out, I do remember, yeah, they aged it up. I thought still the first season did really well overall for following the books and the second season, I don't they went off their own their own direction. I don't remember all the details, but I think I have that memory. From what I can tell so far, first season is nothing like the first book. Oh. Yeah. I'm not what I'm thinking of though. Well, also in the book. But like the main overarching points that I really liked in the book, I thought were in the TV show. I don't know. It's been forever. Never mind. I, I mean, in the book, Freya's also having a full-on affair with Killian. Like, in the book, they're, like, sleeping together constantly. It's, like, legitimately, like, Killian enters the room and they start having sex. Like, that is just how it goes on throughout the entire first book. And it's, like, at least in these first couple episodes, it doesn't seem like, you know, they kind of make this show of, it's like, let's try to be friends. Like, let's try not to sleep with one another. And I think it's just, I think because they also aged it up, it just gives it a bit more of that maturity and gravity to like what these relationships mean to the characters, as opposed to like the book where, like I said, Freya's like 18 or 19. So it's like, I don't know, I'm just going to sleep with him because she's (laughs) so young. But in the show, she's older and everyone's a bit more mature and has like a bit more, I don't know, realism to them as opposed to the books this isn't supposed to be like a critique of like the books suck or like a comparison it's just I think I really like how they're handling these dynamics in the show I think they handle it a bit more adult than they do in the books so when we're like it's a love triangle so YA I'm like yeah but I think they're handling it very well very good analysis thank you you're welcome. That's all I had. That was my rant. That end end said rant. Boom. All right, moving on. Let's get to our deep dive. All right, um, sounds good. So tonight we wanted to talk about binding. Because <sighs> that is that's the thing in this episode. First of all, actually I want to say I was very proud of this episode for when they used magic. I felt like it was all pretty much for the most part, like true to life. It's things that you can get with your everyday magic. Besides putting someone directly in a painting. Can't do that. Not that I'm aware of. Kind of wish you could. But there's other ways to do things like that. We're going to get to that. 
um, bindings, as we have discussed briefly in previous episodes, we do have experience with Nikki a little bit more than me, but it always I was always involved because, um, and again, I don't know what episode of ours it was, but um, there was a period where we would try some stuff and like we talked about how the manifestation of a spell isn't always exactly what you see it as, what you intended it to be. And there's reasons for that, including, you know, your intentions and just inexperience amongst other things. So when it manifests differently, generally that means, like for us, it meant we didn't actually quite do it correctly. Well, and there's consequences, like discussed in this episode. I have just no spiritual barrier whatsoever. So oftentimes when we're dealing with these spirits in our magic and the spell slips a little bit, that just, I always felt, shined a beacon right on me. Hey, there's your energy source. Go just latch on and like, I'll grab the power from the rest of the group when we're all in our circle and then I just get sucked dry. So, um, was really great. Off and on had some like third eye balancing issues. And then I'd, I'd be like, oh, wait a minute. Hey, hey, can we do the binding? But first, actually, I will clarify there's two things banishing and then binding. You can do binding for actually a lot of things, it's not always a bad thing. For us, in our experience, it's related to a bad thing for the most part. So first, if there's a spirit particularly, you banish the spirit, which basically puts manacles on it, cuts that line, just kind of holds it there, and then binding it, you know, you bind it to a whole different things. There's a whole different range of things you can use for your binding. And then now that it's stuck to this thing forever and eternity, you hope, then you go take that somewhere else and just, you know, bury deep, etc. Um, so mostly I just wanted to give that lead up. There's a little bit of, again, not always binding, not always bad. You can technically bind, like, bind up some good energy into like a witch's knot and that becomes a good charm but most of the time binding is negative connotations so yeah I have a lot of experience in this uh spellcraft if you've listened to any of our other episodes I've brought it up a few times uh I'm actually this is kind of like one of my chosen things I'm I'm very good at banishments and bindings. I don't mean to say that to sound like very full of myself, but I'm very good at these kind of things. <laughs> and it worked out in our relationship because as you said, you have a very limited spirited barrier and you are a fire girl. So your energy is like off the charts. So you were very attractive to a lot of things. And I was kind of always around to fix that. So. Win, were, win, if it's going <laughs> to happen at all. 
Um, I myself have a very complicated history with bindings and banishments. I prefer bindings over banishments, but sometimes they do come hand in hand. There's sometimes you have to do one to do the other. Other times you can work around it and do just a banishment or just a binding. Depends on what you're dealing with. When you're binding something, you are in essence, basically binding that soul or that energy or that spirit to a animate functional object that you then can control within your own right. These are often taking the forms of poppets, which you can make out of straw, out of corn husks, out of wax. Um, that's actually my preferred one out of uh, fabric, just you can paint them, you can draw them. Poppets are very common throughout a lot of these things because it's basically a talisman of a human form. So it's easy to bind an entity to these or bind a spirit or something to them because it's already an attractive form because it's just a human form. Um, I preferred to use wax. That was what I really liked to do. And so I did a lot of wax work in that. It's wax is easy to work with if this is something you want to do, especially because you can then embed different herbs inside the wax that you may also be using for your spellcrafts. In addition, you can kind of like choose the color of the poppet. So even though it might be like human in form, it can be like purple or red or blue, depending on what you want to have happen or what you're trying to attract. Um, binding to human poppet forms, as I said, relatively easy. Just make sure the poppet isn't also identified as someone. That's when binding gets very dark is when you try to to intentionally bind something dark to a person. So that can also be done, but I obviously don't do that. I encourage everyone else not to do that. In addition, the main things that are used in binding is the color black. It is seen as the main color of protection, banishment, and binding. So whenever you're binding something, you're going to want either a black wax or a black candle or a black thread or something to use for the black to be incorporated within the spell. I've never um, really had a successful binding spell without using something of the color black within it. Some other things that come into binding is once you bind something to an object is what to do with said poppet or objects. We oftentimes will bury it or put it in a jar there are a lot of binding jar spells out there. This usually involves putting a lot of sharp and maniacal kind of seeming objects within a jar. So it would be like shards of glass, shards of a mirror, nails, and then like herbs. And this will also often include bloodroot, which we went into in one of our other episodes. And salt. And you usually put this all in a jar and the idea is to either bind the creature within the jar or bind the creature or entity or what have you or thing to the poppet and then put the poppet in the jar. And the idea is that the sharp items and the mirrors will confuse the spirit or entity and keep them trapped within the jar. And then you bury the jar because earth is grounding and that's a very simple binding spell. All that being said, um, some other bindings that I have seen slash done is binding intentions or 
bad effects. These are, uh, or bad habits. These are kind of the brighter side of binding where it's like, if you're not dealing with spirit work or demon work or angel work or what have you, where it's like, you just want to bind a bad habit. So it can be smoking or like you're trying to give up sugar or something like that. And this is oftentimes you would just write what you were trying to do on a piece of paper and then put that into the binding. And it would be to bind a bad habit away from you. And these are also can, as I said, obviously be used very successfully. Similar effects. Um, one of the ones I've seen recently that I kind of like is freeze bindings. So it would be like you write it on a piece of paper or write it on a poppet or a candle or a piece of wax or something. And then you tie it or seal it with some black. And then what you'd basically do is submerge it in water and then freeze the item in the water. And that would kind of like freeze the object away from you. Because as we actually noted in the show, freezing is a very smart way to try to keep things subdued. And so the idea would be that you could do it in like an ice cube tray or a small bowl or a jar or something. And you could just keep a frozen item or a bad habit or something in the back of your freezer. And this would help in your binding exercise. I really like this. I think for people who are new to binding or want to, for whatever reason, start, especially for like bad habits, or if you feel like you are being targeted by an entity or spirit or something, this is a very great way to go about it, especially because if you then feel like you messed up the binding spell or it didn't work or something, breaking the binding is very easy. It just involves unfreezing the object and doing like a cleansing spell. So I think this is a very solid way to get into binding. This is a very solid way to do a binding. I This is now kind of my preferred way of binding because I don't really do a lot of the burial like jars or poppets that much anymore, though I do still like them. And some other things that you're going to want in bindings is basically you're going to want some herbs. You need some herbs. Mirrors are very important. As I said, anything black, black thread, black candles. Black candles are kind of very important. I see a lot of basil. I see a lot of salt, bloodroot, and I believe rosemary used in bindings the most. Oh, cedar. That's what I was forgetting. And cedar. So those are all really great herbs to have in bindings. Bindings usually involve the elements. Well, I've actually seen them with all of the elements. I was about to say, usually like fire and earth. And I was like, actually, I've seen them all. So I'm not going to say that. Bindings usually work better if you can incorporate all the elements. Yeah. Binding, use what elements speak to you, I guess. Like use what you feel like should work for the situation. Um, all that being said, this is kind of my warning on bindings. Because as I said, I used to do a lot of them. Uh, specifically because I hung out with this girl <laughs> and also because we were hey. dabbling in a lot of crazy stuff and we weren't very adept. So we didn't always know what we were doing. So this was always kind of the cleanup. I was kind of like cleanup patrol on everything. Um, bindings can be very efficient. They can be very well done. I now feel very secure doing bindings, but if you're young or very new to the craft or the practice of it, just be very aware of what you're doing and we got to the point where we were doing a lot of witchcraft in our youth. And so I was doing like a binding a week. I want to say I was doing a lot of bindings. It's back when oh, we damn. used, yeah, it's back when we used to do the spirit board, like all the time. 
it wasn't always just on Jade. It was sometimes on um, our water girl. It was sometimes used just in the circle. It was sometimes like really off the cusp. Um, I started doing a couple of them just for people who like asked me for the spells. Um, I was doing a lot of bindings and banishments for people in my youth. I say as a fairly youthful woman in my younger, younger, younger days. Um, it was definitely like a decade ago. So, <laughs> yes. Um, so, my my words of warning on it though are basically just be aware of what you are doing. Try to take all the precautions you humanly can, and if you are binding or banishing as much as I was, there is kind of the effect where if you are constantly, basically interacting with dark magic or dark entities or dark habits or what have you, that's going to start rubbing off on you. That's just kind of the effect of any spellcraft or anything in this world. It's like you can't fight a fire without getting ash on yourself. And if you don't like take enough showers, it's going to start building up. And that's kind of where I had my disadvantage on it, as we spoke about in a couple episodes. Um, that was kind of my downfall in the whole craft of bindings and banishments, where I started going a little weird. Obviously, I'm fine. And we also just weren't really good at cleansings or grounding ourselves at that point either. So that was a very large contender and why things started going bad. Um, mm-hmm. Now we are much better at grounding ourselves. We're much better at cleansing. So like the fact that I even have to do a binding or banishment now for like a very important reason is very low. And if I do do a binding, I also know how to follow up with good self-care spiritually. And so we are, we're doing good on that, but definitely look into aftercare after you do bindings or banishments, like do a cleansing, cleansing, do a grounding, like you know, take a cleansing bath, like meditate, do something to try to get yourself back to yourself. Because if you are interacting a lot with darkness, that will start to cling to you. Mm-hmm. And that's all I have on that. Oh, word of warning, because technically it's possible. It takes a lot of intensive magic, but you can find like a person's will for various things it's not advised for many reasons one because that's a dick move (laughs) two like any situation honestly i know i can think of some really deep dark situations where it might seem like that's a good idea but just don't dick move two it's gonna take a lot of really intensive magic from you in the form of, like, for me, honestly, it was more of, like, um, when I'm drained, it sort of feels like it's, like, a blood sugar issue. It's not really. It's just a overall energy thing. But you don't need to cause yourself bodily harm just because you're trying to get revenge or whatever motivation you have. Don't find actual people's wills. Just don't. Very dark magic, actually, to control people like that. So if you ever had a thought of maybe, hey, let's take it down there, don't. 
please. So and and it can yeah. be tempting. So I understand why you give those words of warning. That's great words of warning. Um, and and that is also um, unintended side effects, as we were talking about earlier, like binding one person's will or one person's ability, or even banishing them. So just like banishing, like I don't know. Like banishing like a person's like laughter or a person's like luck or something like unintended consequences to those around them. So you might not like that person. That doesn't mean like that this will only affect that person. Um, so always take into regard that aspect of anything you do in witchcraft. Like binding and banishments are just kind of my main examples because they're the ones where I feel like the effects are can be the most extreme. But any kind of magic or witchcraft has unintended consequences if you are using it maliciously or focus it in ways that you don't expect. Mm-hmm. Like I am all for laying down a good curse on someone, so a hex. But honestly, it gets it's so tricky between your intentions and the wording and all the little details to just have it lay on that one person and not affect a bunch of other people, including yourself. So pretty much almost never worth it for curses bindings again don't just don't yeah most of the bindings i see that i think are the healthiest are the ones that are to bind like bad habits um but which like i said could be like i eat too much sugar or i'm trying to give up cigarettes or something like that obviously it's something where it's like i'm addicted to cocaine please seek actual professional help um this is like this is a good thing to add to that uh, spiritually and magically and everything. But like, if it's a serious addiction that is life-threatening, please seek medical attention because we are of no professional mind to advise on that. Uh, but for like small things that are like, I don't know, I wish I ate less red meat. Like that's, that's a good, this is a good thing that you can add in. Like the good intentions and everything for that are always, this is a great place to start. Um. Other than that, I don't know if I have much else on bindings and banishments more than just like, like any magic, be smart about it. Um, Take with it the fact that what you do will affect not only that person, but, or like that spirit or that entity or, but slightly you and the things around it. And yeah. I think that's, I think that's about all I have for it. Obviously in the show, they uh, bind this guy to a painting that is badass and this guy fucking deserved it. So like, (laughs) but he's a very isolated case. He's also like a man from probably the 1800s. So. (laughs) I'm like that. Um, Well, they did. Yeah, they did say he's been in that painting for 80 years and who knows how long. I mean, they were together before that. Yeah. So, who knows? Uh, yes, if only we could put people into paintings and then bury those paintings. In our rich aunt's yeah. coffin. Anywho, well, this has been lovely. Uh, Nikki, which is on the couch, what have you been drinking tonight? Oh, tonight I actually had the time to like actually make a drink. So I made a Sea Island 75, which was a drink I found online. It's gin, lemon juice, simple syrup, 
and uh, fruit champagne. Mine's not actual champagne because as I've said multiple times, I live in California. It's sparkling wine, but it's still delicious. So it's basically all that. You shake up in a shaker. The only thing they added that I could not add to my own was it was like for garnish, add two cucumber slices. I don't just randomly have cucumbers in my house. Shocking. Um, so I just had a maraschino cherry on top. It was just kind of like garnish, but it was, it was pretty nice. It was just some gin, lemon juice, simple syrup, some champagne, had a nice ginny sparkly drink. I really enjoyed it. And seeing as Witches of East End is supposed to be a show that takes place on a coastal East coast, uh, North American town, I thought it kind of fit the theme. So that was the thoughts. But what have you been drinking this week, Jade? So fancy. I went simple. Mimosa. Sparkling wine and OJ. You love your mimosas. I do. Margaritas and mimosas. 24 hours. You start with the mimosa. Then you switch over to the margarita around lunchtime. And then, you know, you finish the day with another mimosa. Um, I'm not an like, alcoholic, I swear. This is <laughs> I the very epitome of COVID, though. Like, this is what COVID has done to us. It's like, yep, start mimosa, margarita, maybe another mimosa, and then it's the next day. Well, and the sad thing is, that started a long time before <laughs> COVID. So, I'm very much a day drinker, if I can be. Ah, yes. Well, I have a nice bar cart and everything, which is why I'm trying to experiment with nice drinks. I got a whole, like, I got a new shaker set with, like, a muddler and, like, new jiggers and everything for the holidays. And so I'm I'm trying to experiment in my cocktail making. Fancy. I'm a fancy girl. When I'm not binding things. I'm a fancy (laughs) girl. (laughs) Anywho, uh, so I do want to say, you know, we did get a little dark again this episode. Life gets a little dark sometimes, too. It's okay. It's only human. But if you're ever feeling just that low, you're contemplating suicide, please don't. Just please do not. Doesn't always seem like it, but the world is actually better for you in it. If you're having suicidal thoughts, and you're in America at least, uh, please give a call to the suicide hotline, 1-800-273-8255. You can also text Crisis Line 24-7 by texting 741-741. Or you could pretty much just walk into an ER and say, I'm having suicidal ideations, and they put you on a watch. Give you a little bit of counseling. Thank you, everyone, for joining us once again on our new show. Hopefully, it's a fun time. We're really enjoying ourselves, if you can't tell. Like, this is a fun time for us. So, we're probably going to continue on this for a little bit. We still do have plans to do another movie in the near future. And we actually recently picked that movie out. So, at some point, we will be doing another movie episode on that for those who would like to join us. Um, also you can follow us on Witches on the couch. We are on Instagram as again, just Witches on the couch and we're available on most streaming services. This is Spotify, Google podcasts, Apple podcasts, 
whatever you need on that. Feel free to give us a like, review, whatever you need to do to help Wandering Witches find our podcast. So we hope you enjoyed this episode and this morning, afternoon, evening, night, whenever you happen to be listening to us these days. And hopefully you will join us next week for another episode. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great night. Bye. Bye. Thank you.